chapter 4, verse 26 to 34, Jesus also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. It's a great uh, privilege and delight to be with you this morning and to bring the word. And uh, I extend a warm welcome to you all, just as Janice and Beryl have, and uh, particularly to our friends who've come from the Gideons as well. And... uh, I'm going to talk about those two short parables that we read. You've probably gathered I've been looking at parables recently because it was a couple of months ago we looked at two small parables uh, then. And uh, these, I think, fit quite nicely with the, with the Gideon theme. So the growing seed and the mustard seed. Of course, the distribution of God's word is at the heart of every Christian. How we long to tell the world about our Saviour and our Lord. And yet, how difficult we find it at times. And often we find difficulty particularly with those who are closest to us. Sometimes it's difficult to speak about Jesus even to our children or our parents. And for some, their husband or their wife. And yet, the distribution of God's word is a wonderful privilege. And you know, it's the most valuable gift that you and I could ever give. And it's that reality which must surely be the primary motivation of the Gideons. So let's be encouraged this morning by looking into these two short parables that Jesus taught and as recorded for us by Mark in his Gospel, because they reveal for us some deep truths about the distribution of God's Word. Truths that should be greatly encouraging to us all. And let's just for a moment remind ourselves that when Jesus teaches in parables, he takes what is well known and what is well understood He takes that which can be seen and he uses these pictures and these ideas to describe the spiritual world that cannot be seen. And in Mark's Gospel in chapter 4, if you read the earlier part of that chapter, 
you would read the well-known parable of the sower, but this morning we're going to think about these other two shorter, less well-known parables, which also use seeds as their principal focus. So let's first of all notice that they both describe important principles about the kingdom of God. The parable of the growing seed starts like this. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And then later on with the mustard seed, Jesus asks the question, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? So both of these short but significant parables have the purpose of teaching us about the kingdom of God. And both these parables are about seeds. And in each case, it is the seed that represents the powerful word of God. The seed represents the powerful word of God. So let's begin with the parable of the growing seed. And here we see that the seed itself is the main focus. And we read that a man scatters seed on the ground... Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. And so we're told that this farmer is an active person. He's active in sowing the seed. But we're also told that once he has done so, he goes about his everyday life, whether he sleeps or gets up. And we notice that what he does not do is to get up in the middle of the night and in the darkness go back to the ground and tamper with the seed. Once the seed is sown, he leaves it alone. And all the farmer is conscious of is that within a few weeks, the seed starts sprouting. And what has gone on below the ground is a mystery to him. He does not know how it has happened, but he can observe that the seed has indeed germinated. And you know, it's got nothing to do with the greatness or the smallness of the farmer's knowledge and understanding that actually determines the success of that seed. The point Jesus is making here is that the seed has power in itself. The seed will germinate. The seed will grow. The seed will produce a harvest Because that's the way it is. Because that's the way God has designed it to be. God himself is the power behind the seed. He alone makes it grow. And so Jesus teaches that God himself is the power behind his word. And he alone makes that word grow. And indeed, the farmer has to admit he is powerless when it comes to the seed, and he leaves it, therefore, to the divine mystery of God's operation. So what does this teach us about the kingdom of God? It tells us that the message of the kingdom goes out, the message of God's kingdom is proclaimed and shared, the seed of life, the word of God is distributed far and wide. The good news of Jesus Christ is told and retold. The good news of a God who is rightfully angry with sinners and yet in his great love sent his son in order to die for those sinners, even to take their sin upon himself. Of the Christ who died and was raised triumphantly to the Lord of glory. We hear the message and we have to ask ourselves, how is it that these words, these concepts, these concepts, 
that are sown as seeds, how do they grow? How do we explain the work of the Holy Spirit in germinating the seed? How do we explain the way that God regenerates people? How can we explain that people who did not believe have come to believe now? How can we explain that those who were once opposed to God are now for him with lives that have been changed around completely? The simple answer is, we cannot explain such things. The seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't, sorry, does not know how. However, even though the mystery is within that seed and the way it grows, you and I have a part to play. We have a responsibility to do that which we are called to do. God wants you and me to distribute the seed. We tell the message, but it is that message, that word of God, that has the power within itself. We tell the message, but it is the message that contains the power. And we may recall those times when we talk about Jesus and there seems to be no effect whatsoever. Those times when we pluck up the courage to describe our Saviour who has transformed our lives and his love for all. And yet it feels as if the very bricks in the wall are more receptive than whoever we have shared the gospel with. I'm sure you've had those sorts of experiences. I know I have. And we speak passionately, we speak simply, we distribute the word of God and we sow the seed and yet we wonder whether there is any power at all in our humble and seemingly feeble words. And it's simply because we don't see instant results. But the parable gives us great encouragement. Yes, we do not understand how God works in making his seed grow, but if we are to trust God and to trust that it is truly a powerful word, then we must expect that it will germinate. And we must put our trust in the Holy Spirit to germinate any seed that we have been led to sow. And that, of course, is where prayer comes in. It's important that we don't only sow the seed, but that we pray about that seed that's been sown. The word of God alone is the instrument of Christian conversion. We don't know how it works. It's a mysterious seed. But if we truly trust God that he will make it grow, then we, in our part, simply need to be faithful in that call to distribute the seed, just as the farmer sows the seed. But as we move on in our thinking, we see in verse 28 of chapter 4, that this parable teaches us more about the powerful seed, the power of the seed. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. How is the kingdom of God to come about? And Jesus is teaching us here that his kingdom is simply going to come about by faithful distribution of the word of God. And isn't Jesus the king of the kingdom our best example of this? Because he came to sow and to establish that kingdom in the hearts of men and women. And you know, Jesus never actually used the power of his miracles to establish the kingdom in people's hearts. 
Yes, the miracles demonstrated that the kingdom was present before them, but the power was still to be found in the seed. The power of the kingdom is in God's word. And whoever becomes a new person, those who are regenerated believers who have become members of the kingdom do so through the growing word of God. They repent, they believe, they drink in the word of God. And Jesus establishes his kingdom through the distribution of the word. The seed is powerful and the kingdom is not established by human might nor by human wisdom but rather it's established by a power that is so obviously of God. And it's up to humble children of God like you and me to simply do that distribution. Ordinary men and women like you and me, we live that word, and God uses this witness, this faithful distribution of the seed of the gospel to establish his mighty kingdom. A seed that is so powerful that it produces a never-diminishing eternal kingdom, that is never open to failure, and it never fails because God's word changes men and women on the inside. It produces a total allegiance to Jesus, the king of that kingdom. The kingdom of God goes no further than the word that is distributed and proclaimed, because that seed, that word is powerful, And it establishes God's kingdom wherever it is sown. And you know, distribution distribution of God's word is not limited to the formal preaching and presentation of the gospel. But rather, whenever a child of God speaks of the love of their heavenly father, or whenever a child of God witnesses to the gospel that has changed them, those times perhaps when you've even been sufficiently bold to share God's word with a stranger... And as I said before, it's the greatest gift that you and I can ever give. Whether we give it to our friends or whether we give it to that stranger you meet in the street or whether you persistently give it to members of your family. To be a sower of the seed, to be a sower of the word of God is such a privilege and such a joy. A privilege because God himself has entrusted that farmer's work to you and to me. And you know the farmer is a farmer because he knows he's going to get a harvest. He doesn't understand how it happens, but he knows if he sows the seeds, he's going to get a harvest. And we are God's children and his servants because we know that when we sow the seed, when we sow the word of God, it will produce a harvest, though we do not understand how that is. But there is a final lesson to be learned about this seed And that is that this parable teaches us that the seed is a victorious seed. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And it's here that we observe that there is an unbreakable link between the sowing of the seed and the swinging of the sickle at harvest. If you sow the seed, then a harvest will be reaped. If you distribute the word of God, there will be results. And that single verse indicates to us that there are no ifs or buts. Rather, the message is that if we sow, then there will be a harvest. It may not be us who reaps that harvest, but there will 
be a harvest. And Jesus is telling us this parable and he's anxious to let you and me know that there is an inevitability about the whole process. It's a parable about results and that's why it's such an encouraging thing to read and to learn. It's great encouragement to you and me because it tells us that the success of God's kingdom is not based upon our cleverness, nor is it anything to do with any power that we might be expected to hold. The seed, the word of God, has the power within itself, and it determines its fate within the framework of our obedient distribution of it. And when that harvest comes... Jesus reminds us elsewhere that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And then in John's gospel we hear this. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. You see, the wonderful thing about this is that it is God's work. And so there is no uncertainty. The seed is always victorious because that's the way God has made it. And that is our great encouragement to be sowers of the seed. Encouragement to distribute the word of God because that activity alone will have results. And it's not based upon any ability that you and I might be expected to have. It's simply about our faithfulness and our passion to sow that seed. And isn't it wonderful to be assured through this parable that God never sends us out on useless errands. He never gets us to engage in pointless exercises. With God there is always purpose in our activity to spread the word of God. And of course that's what motivates members of the Gideons and other organisations who are keen to give out God's word. And it is that same motivation that must surely encourage you and me. There is no futile exercise in the kingdom of God. Like the farmer, we may not understand how the seed grows. And there may well be times when we are confused and disheartened because of the humanness within us when we see no immediate growth of the seed we have sown, and maybe for members of our family we've been sowing seeds for decades and we've seen nothing, we may never reap that harvest ourselves. But this parable teaches us utterly that the one who has put the power into the seed will triumph. For the seed is always victorious within the will and the purpose of Almighty God. But in our closing moments, what about the parable of the mustard seed? What is the kingdom of God like here? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And within this very tiny parable, we have a lesson in contrasts. The mustard seed, we're told, is so small, so insignificant, and yet it produces that largest of all garden plants. In other words, the smallest becomes the greatest, and this 
is a Jesus kingdom principle. What is sown in the beginning is totally out of proportion to the end result. So let's look around this morning and ask ourselves, what do we see? We see people with an old book in their hands, some of the writings four or five thousand years old, a book often despised and rejected by the world outside, a book treated with contempt by the media, a book that is supposedly disproved by science, a book largely marginalised by our education system, and a book that is never, ever mentioned in anybody's party political election manifesto. But we look around this place this morning and we see men and women who would stake their lives and their eternity on Jesus of Nazareth and his words. Men and women who have an undiluted belief and trust in his sacrifice on the cross and his death for them that has brought eternal life into reality. You can sweep it away like an insignificant mustard seed, but it is the very word of life. It is the word of life that leads to this undying, ever-expanding kingdom of God. And the person who despises it and pushes it aside does so at their eternal peril. This truly is a lesson in contrasts. So we are encouraged by Jesus himself to capture the principle of the mustard seed and combine it with the message contained within the parable of the growing seed, which is what you and I are called to distribute. Now, of course, you may feel, well, I'm I'm so insignificant. Surely nobody will listen to me. Well, don't worry. Think about the message contained within these parables when you have those moments of self-doubt. And remind yourselves that people are not won to Christ by eloquent preachers. People are not won to Christ by perfect logical and intellectual arguments. God takes your words. He takes my words. And yes, he takes our humble, trembling, feeble words at times. But he also takes our kindnesses and he takes our desire to serve his kingdom. And he grows a kingdom from it. You know, there are people who have heard many, many sermons in their lives, but it's not until someone speaks to them personally, or it's not until somebody shows them that they care, or simply humbly witnesses about the Jesus that they love. That's what so often makes all the difference. That's the mustard seed principle. From the little, from the seemingly insignificant, the great plant grows. So in conclusion then, we each are called to distribute the seed. The seed which seems so insignificant, but the seed that is powerful and the seed which is victorious. And the seed which grows into the largest of all garden plants. We are called to be humble servants of the kingdom. Never to make ourselves the focal point. Never to give any reason for us to swell with personal pride, but always to point to Jesus Christ, always to give God the glory. So do be encouraged by the wonderful message contained within these two little parables, won't you? Do gain a great thrill from the knowledge that whenever you share Jesus with someone else, or whenever you share God's word, there will be a harvest. You may not be the reaper, but 
These parables make it quite clear there will be a harvest. And that harvest will be out of all proportion to either your effort or even your expectation. So let's get excited about distributing God's word. Amen.